Welcome, everyone, to our Christmas Eve service. It is so good to be here with you all in uh, the glow of all the lights and uh, getting to remember all those years ago, the night when Jesus was born. And so I would just like to say, officially, we made it through the season. I don't know about you, uh, but sometimes the holidays can get a bit wild and a little bit hairy, especially with weather and traffic and money and buying presents and family and all the different things. And we gather here tonight to set apart a moment where we get to remember that first Christmas. And we get to celebrate really the greatest gift that was ever given in all the world. It wasn't a fine piece of jewelry or some giant flat screen TV that was scored on a Black Friday sale. Just like it wasn't a bike or a boat, a new instrument or a game, a new hunting rifle for those hunters out there, or that dream vacation that you've been waiting for for a long time. Friends, it wasn't all the traditions, it wasn't all the stuff that we find that we end up focusing on this time of year. Now, all those things and all those experiences are good, right? I mean, I want a flat screen TV. I keep dropping hints in my sermons every now and then. I would love like just something large on a mantelpiece and oh, it'd be amazing. That'd be really good in my life. But that's not the ultimate good. That's not what I would submit to you is the great gift of Christmas. And so that's what I'd like to take the next few moments talking with you about. So uh, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2. You can follow along on the screen or uh, if you'd like to follow along in the Bibles in the pew in front of you, you're welcome to do that too, though the mood lighting is definitely hard to read in. So here we go, Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths 
and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Mary had had quite the year leading up to this moment. Uh, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, uh, her whole world had literally been turned upside down from what she thought it was going to be. She was getting ready to get married to her fiancé, Joseph. They were younger, so I'm sure, you know, they just, they thought, wow, we have our whole life ahead of us. This is amazing. And suddenly she gets this messenger angel from the Lord who came and told her that she was going to become pregnant and that uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by natural means, and that this baby was going to grow up to be the Savior of the people of Israel, God's people, and ultimately the world. And so the month, in the months that followed, she received confirmation after confirmation that this thing that God had spoken to her was going to come true. Then the government. It always comes down to the government making our lives difficult, doesn't it? The government called for a census. Ah, oh, isn't that amazing? Um, before the days of Wi-Fi and online registrations or picking up the phone and saying, yes, I really do live at my address. No, this was the days before that. And so they had to take the 90-some mile trek from Nazareth where Joseph and Mary were living in that village and traveled down to Bethlehem where Joseph's family was from. Only problem was Mary was about to pop any day. She was great with child, as they say. And so not only this, I mean, so her whole like nine months has been just upside down, not what she was expecting. And not only that, they arrive in town and no one would take them in. They had family in town because that's where Joseph's family was from, but the family didn't let them in because it was scandalous that Mary was pregnant and wasn't yet married to Joseph. And so there was some, you know, funny business going on. And so they were uh, ostracizing Mary and Joseph. And not only that, but because of that, then they couldn't find any other lodging. So then they ended up out of doors. And into that most humble mess of a beginning, we see the greatest gift in all the world given. Meanwhile, there were some shepherds, right? We read about that out in the field, minding their own business, doing their everyday mundane workday grind. And then suddenly God's messenger angels show up and they appear and they encounter the glory of the Lord 
and they received this good news that the Savior of the people of Israel had now been born. The, peop- the one that they had been waiting for, the Christ, the anointed king. And so, when they encountered that message of salvation, they were inspired to go and see it for themselves. And when they arrived, the shepherds told Mary about all that God had said to them. And in that place, they all worshipped the Lord. So both Mary and the shepherds had just witnessed firsthand a fulfillment of what God had revealed to them. They got to see in real time God keeping his promises. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like, okay, God is telling me this thing, or God is giving me this impression of this thing, and I know this thing is going to happen, and then you have to wait a long time? I mean, we find story after story in the Bible of people like that. Some people didn't get to see the fulfillment in their lifetime. We see stories of that too. But yet, Mary, she had to wait nine months. And all the mothers in the room, you know how hard those nine months are. And all the fathers in the room too, you know how hard those nine months are for your wives. But then the shepherds only had to wait a couple of hours, maybe a little bit longer, but not too long. But then they had found that it was just as they had been told. And the truth is, when we experience the fulfillment of what God has said, our natural response is worship. Now, it may look different for some of us. Some of us are the loud, boisterous, bombastic types who are just like, whoa, yeah, this is amazing, like the shepherds, you know, maybe like, after the, the Vikings won the championship and like the crowd went wild and wow, this is amazing. That, that was a really good moment. But then also there's moments where people worship where it's more quiet contemplation, like Mary, where she took those things and she hid them in her heart and she treasured them in her heart. And on that night, God gave the greatest gift in all the world himself. He gave us Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so the invitation of Christmas, as we go throughout our time, um, is to remember who God is. That he is a God who is faithful and true. That he is a God who loves you and sees you right where you're at. He wants to, he has plans to give you a hope and a future. He dreams for you and he loves you. And not only that, but we see in in that revelation of who God is, the invitation of Christmas is also to see what God has done. And we remember all that God has done, how God kept his word to both Mary and to the shepherds. We read about how God fulfilled his promise to bring salvation to his people and to the world and ultimately through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And we can reflect on times in our own lives where God has been with us all along through it all, both in the good times and the bad, in the waiting and in the fulfillment. But the good news is that God's goodness and God's love never fails. 
So as you enjoy time with family and friends this Christmas, with good food and good gift exchanges, or maybe you are dealing with some kind of a loss in your life, or some kind of grief has just, or tragedy has just struck you, or it's kind of, that's how you're entering into the holiday season. The invitation of Christmas, the ultimate thing that I get from Luke chapter 2, is the invitation to treasure our experiences of God, where we get to recognize that God is with us through it all, and then also we get to remember, and we get to join with the practice of all God's people that whatever we're going through, we can always recollect the times when God came through, when God didn't let us down. And even in hard situations, how we were able to endure. And so we see Jesus, and we see Mary, and we see this scene of Christmas. And I don't know about you, but I want to cherish these kinds of times. And so this Christmas time, uh, worship team, you can come back up. We're going to, we're going to do just that. Um, one of the ways that we, we cherish things is through pictures. And so I'd like to take a selfie with you all. Um, I'm just saying, uh, because I think this is a really special moment where we get to gather together in the name of Jesus and we get to join with really all our brothers and sisters in Christ on this night and remember how Christ was born. So here we go. I need a selfie stick, y'all. Cool. I'll post that later on our Facebook page. But anyway, so here we go. So now we've come to the time that you've all been waiting for because you all received a candle coming in. Because this isn't just a service where we get really cool Christmas lights hanging from the ceiling. We get to light some fire in this place. <laughs> Give me that old Pentecostal power, that fire. And so... Um, so what we're going to do, we have the Advent wreath over here. Angie's going to uh, light the first candle with the Christ candle. Um, and then as we sing through Silent Night, go ahead and pass it along to your neighbor. If you have little ones next to you that should not have fire, I'm talking about my children, uh, perhaps, um, you know, maybe skip over them. But let's light this place up with our candlelight. 